Consequence Podcast Network. This is the Album of the Week Podcast, a weekly series on the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network that features an in-depth discussion on this week's most topical release between myself, Dedrick Hendricks, and various staff writers. For this week's Album of the Week, I will be joined by David Shackler, who has an awesome review up at ConsequenceOfSound.net on the new album by the 1975, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships. Now, David really liked this album. He actually gave it an A-. The review, again, is up at ConsequenceOfSound.net. I actually gave it a B. Wasn't as much of a fan of it as he was, but we there were some things we agreed on, some things we... D- some things we didn't. That's okay. But we were going to be talking about the album, the 1975. This is a group that I've listened to before. Um, I think I've mentioned on here that before I'm not the biggest pop fan. So it was fun kind of digging into this new album by the 1975. So David and I kind of talked about some of the background David joined and he, he was much more inclined on the background coming into this album, approaching this album, what they have released before kind of their message with this album, the things that they talked about, a lot of political messages in here. David thinks he went on a couple tangents. I thought it was great because he went really deep into detail on some of the lyrics that was very much needed. You really, sometimes you need to take in the lyrics and really understand what was meant and david did a great job on doing that on this album the 1975 so let's go ahead and welcome david now before we get started though be sure to subscribe rate and review itunes google play everywhere podcasts are available spotify be sure to subscribe and keep up to date and make us one of your favorites and also write us a review let us know what you guys are thinking of this podcast so let's go ahead and bring on David. David Shackler is joining me right now to dig a little bit deeper into the new album by the 1975, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships. David, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thanks so much for having me. This is really exciting. Uh, <laughs> my first time calling in and doing this. So hopefully, <laughs> apologize to any listeners if there's not perfect, but um, I'm excited to talk about this album. I have been really excited for this album just in, in general. I think their 2016 album um mm-hmm. i like it when you sleep for you it's a really long name i like it when you're asleep for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it it's kind of a mm-hmm. it's a lot the whole album is a lot but there was some really good songwriting going on in there i think there was some gospel flares some jazz just a lot of like really interesting ideas they had and it's one of those albums i think is aged pretty well Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were some issues with it. It was overstuffed. I mean, it was an hour and 20 minutes long. There was all these ambient interludes. Some of them sounded like kind of like a mid-rate M83 song from 2006. Um, <laughs> and, like, it was it was a great album, though. And I think it was critically underrated. And so yeah. kind of having two years of that, I think, kind of building into this new album cycle, mm-hmm. um, I was really interested to see what this band was going to do. And I think the results of a brief inquiry into online relationships is a super ambitious, strong rock album where they're they're trying really hard to say something profound about the way we live in today, society, the way everything is online. And it is pretentious, but it's also very Mm self-aware. And I think that's kind of what makes it different than a lot of other you know, kind of big statement rock albums, maybe something like a Father John Misty, who I, I personally don't really care for that much. Yeah, I don't either. Whereas I feel like the 1975, Matt Healy, the principal songwriter, singer, mm-hmm. he is um, 
always in his head in a way that's compelling because he's he's willing to make mistakes and willing to say the wrong thing and it, it makes for what i think is a more interesting conversation and i think that's kind of what happens on this album um kind of digging it so this this is a the first in a planned series of uh, two albums they want to release over a six-month period and all their interviews lately they've been saying there's going to be a follow-up next spring mm. you know it's one of those things where i feel like bands always say there's going to be a quick follow-up and there ends up being two years i mean look what happened with those two u2 albums that were supposed to come out back to back i right. think it was like what four or five five year break between them i can't remember exactly <laughs> on the top of my head but i think that kind of what's going on here is you know, it doesn't feel like part one of two. It doesn't feel like a mesmerized, hypnotized, or those two future records, future and Hendrix from, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. It feels like a very complete statement. I, I say in the review, the first thing I say is, you know, trying to be a, a catchy lead, but I say the 1975 <laughs> are the band for our times. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean that they're very messy. It's very chaotic. They're called, kind of all over the place, which I think is... An interesting place to be right now because you know this album's going to have a lot of random and strange ideas that you wouldn't see going on like a you know maybe like a Tame Impala record or a War on Drugs record and I love both those bands right but you know I I think what the 1975 have you've got like these melodramatic power ballads with key changes that sound like you know kind of 80s schlock but in an interesting way you've got like glitchy auto tune. I mean, there's one song that sounds like uh, that last Bon I Bon Iver record or Bon Iver. I don't know how you say it. Twenty two <laughs> a million. Um, kind of that like weird glitchy electronic sound, and it's yeah. got this like trap beat. And then you've got like you've got uh, kind of lounge crooners that sound like Michael Bublé at times. There's these the closer is this huge like Brit pop alt rock sound. It sounds like it's going to be you know, next to Oasis and Foo Fighters at Wembley Stadium in 1997. I mean, right. I think, to me, we're, we're so much of the modern pop landscape is kind of meant to fit these, like, Spotify playlists where everything is in service of this algorithm that just wants to put everything that sounds similar together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like a lot of times, and I'm not faulting a lot of these, you know, young, exciting bands, that's not what I'm trying to say, but I think when you get into kind of the, the major label, the commercial pop areas, I think a lot of it is, you know, hey, we know this sound works. The Spotify algorithms tell us what people are listening to. We know what they want, so we're just going to keep on making more of it. And I think it's created this thing where a lot of pop songs on the radio, you know, kind of have this, this just flattening of, you know, everything kind of has a similar trap house vibe everything sounds like the chain smokers and <laughs> i don't want to be like the guy who's like you know trashing all modern pop music because <laughs> there's so much of it that i love yeah but i think that what, what intrigues me about the 1975 is that they're just you know they're they're throwing the kids everything but the kitchen sink they're trying all these different styles mm-hmm. and so that's kind of you know the the intro to what I, when i was kind of thinking about this album yeah. um and there is a lot going on, and not all of it works. So I guess I guess I can maybe kind of start jumping into some of the things that I thought did yeah. work. Or yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's definitely do that. And obviously, overall, you gave it the A minus grade. 
So obviously you loved a lot of it. Um, so there's much more good out of your review than bad. But so let's start with what you liked. Um, my songs that I picked that I really personally enjoy, just loving the vibes of them that and th- and approaching this album, you know, usually I'm not a big and I've said this before when we did the Star of the stars born soundtrack with lady gaga mm-hmm. i've admitted before i'm not the biggest pop guy um so going into this album I'm like uh-oh here we go uh <laughs> another pop album we'll see how it goes and i actually really liked it there was a lot on here and you mentioned the rock sound on it and that's probably why i like it i'm a rock guy okay that's and it suckered me in so a couple of them that i liked um i loved be my mistake and be my mistake Well, you know, speaking of being my mistake, I really did like that. And I was trying to, I didn't work this quite into the review, but do you remember, um, did you listen to that Harry Styles album that I did. came out last year? Yeah, I did. So I feel like that, he was trying really hard to make this like, you know, 70s rock album. And, and there were some good moments on it. I think I reviewed it. I gave it a C plus. Like, mm-hmm. There's a few things I liked on it, but when I heard Be My Mistake, you know, this this kind of just really, you know, nice rock ballad. It's got, you know, the acoustic guitar. It's got these really confessional lyrics mm-hmm. about kind of, you know, loneliness and fidelity. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, I think this is what Harry Styles was trying to make on that record. Kind of like mm-hmm. that, that was one of the vibes I got. And it just felt like, you know, the 1975 kind of, not one-upping him but like it just felt like okay i feel like you know just in one song i've been it gotten better sense mm-hmm. of this than that whole record but i really like that one i think um some songs i really liked was it's one of the songs that i liked was because it's not living if it's not with you mm-hmm. and um i don't want to i can kind of quote but um i was reading this uh, guardian interview that Laura Snapes did, an uh, excellent journalist, and she kind of described it as this, like, Springsteen-style mm. um, kind of... She called it sparkling with Springsteen-like festivity, and, and that's, that's the quote. And I think mm. I think there's something to that. It's just really, like, kind of, like, joyous, yeah. swooning, romantic song, but undercut is the fact that it's about his heroin addiction, right. which right. Healy has been very kind of open about on this press cycle for the new album. He's spent... Um, a few weeks in a rehab center in Barbados uh, this past, I think, last November and December. And, you know, there, there's there's songs they did that have hinted on, about his addiction before on his earlier albums, but this is kind of the his, his one song, I think, that's meant to kind of cover it. And I think, you know, what, what he does here is that it's this very romantic, swooning song, and it's the lyrics go... Um, you know, all I do is sit and think about you, mm-hmm. um, collapse my veins wearing beautiful shoes. It's not living if it's not with you. And he's, yeah, he said in interviews that like, it's, it's kind of him speaking directly to his addiction. And it, I, I think what the song does is the way it kind of juxtaposes this like incredibly dark subject matter with this very like cheery, upbeat, you know, music. I think it kind of creates an interesting juxtaposition, but it, it also, I like it because it, it doesn't, you know, glorify it. He's not trying to, you know, say, you know, I feel like some songs about heroin or drugs can be very, 
you know, very much glorifications. You look at kind of the canon of like yeah. some of those big drug songs from like the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Um, and then you also have like, you know, a very kind of Nancy Reagan PSA, don't do drugs kind of thing on the other hand of the other end of the spectrum. And I feel like he treads a really good line here, um, kind of being honest and open without sounding too preachy or too glorifying, which I thought was an interesting, interesting choice. Um, another song I really liked, and this is, I guess, the, the one of the first singles that I've been playing on um, for a while, and it, it's kind of his, like, it's kind of their big political song. It's yeah. called Love It If We Made It. And it's this just very frenetic, um, like, aggressive rock song. And it's about, basically, you know, he's kind of throwing all of these different signifiers. Mm -hmm. Just, like, it almost reads like a millennial, you know, 2018 version of We Didn't Start the Fire. And I think I pointed out in my review, I think a lot of people kind of made that connection because he'll, even if you look at the music video, he's showing images of, like, Brett Kavanaugh, Donald Trump, of riots, the Grinfell Tower that uh, burned down in London a couple years ago. It has and if you, the lyrics. They reference, you know, Colin Kaepernick. Um, mm-hmm. They reference this uh, uh, Syrian refugee mm-hmm. who drowned uh, on a beach, and it was a big story in Britain. He was a three-year-old boy, and it, it kind of yeah. um, helped. That that you know tragedy was kind of a, a big a big news item over there, and listening to the song the way that he's kind of juxtaposing all these things it feels like it shouldn't work but what it does to me is is it reminds me of of the news feed i was going on i was on twitter the other day mm-hmm. and i kind of went over to that second tab where it's just like not even my feed it's just like the general <laughs> stories yeah news. and it had things like you know oh a shooter killed four people mm-hmm. and then next to it was you know people talking about a meme or something. Yeah. And it was just, I feel like, you know, when you look at your social media feed, when you look at your news feed, you have these very, like, mundane things that are being presented and interspersed are just really terrible tragedies. I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's the political news, of course, but then there's, like, you know, there's shootings, there's these fires in California right now, which are awful, you know, the hurricanes. I mean, I was just thinking the other day, like, I was watching the Monday night football game and I, I forget what they were exactly what it said, but it was like Los Angeles proud or Los Angeles. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. Los and Angeles. I'm, from, I'm from Houston and you know, we, we had something similar after hurricane Harvey. Yeah. I went to Vegas for a friend's bachelor party and they had these, like they were selling these like mugs that were like Vegas strong because of the shooting there. And I realized like, you know, every major city has had some kind of, tragedy in the past couple of years, whether it was climate induced or due to gun violence or just, you know, something else. And it's just like, yeah, you know, it, at the risk of sounding alarmist, it, you can, kind of, it does kind of feel like more so than maybe 10 years ago, things are kind of getting somewhat more dystopian. And yeah. I think, you know, even I'm going to go on a tangent here, but you know, I, I read comic books when I was a kid and one of my favorite ones is Watchmen and Watchmen was obsessed the, in the story, um, as these superheroes, it's all set in the backdrop of the U.S.-Russia yeah. um, kind of nuclear escalation. And one of the big things they, they trump up was that this doomsday clock. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How, you know, there's minutes to midnight. I think Linkin Park made an album about that, like, in 2007. Mm-hmm. And so it is always this, like, kind of cultural reference point of, and it, you know, you always thought, like, oh, this was 20, 30 years ago. This was in the past. And then, you know, I think this year, that Doomsday Clock, it's, it's basically, if anyone doesn't know, these kind of scientists and physicists and kind of put together um, basically a marker for how close they think the world is to some kind of nuclear war or mass destruction. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, it's 12 minutes to midnight would be, like, pretty far away. And then 10 minutes would be a little bit closer. And I think this year um, they moved it all the way up to two minutes, which is the closest it's been since 1953. I don't know if it might be lying to me. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think with all that in mind, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times we become so desensitized to what's no. going on. And to me, that's what this song captures. Yeah, It captures kind of just this escalation of so much, so much going on, you know, having nuclear war and then peaceful protests mm-hmm. and the refugee crisis, climate change crisis, like everything kind of moved, put into one. But what, what I like about it, and what I think he does that a lot of other artists or public figures have a hard time doing is he kind of encompasses all of this into, you know, a generational kind of, mm-hmm. I think I said a generational rallying cry, but uh, in my, my review, but that might also be a little little reductive, but just the idea that the chorus, you know, isn't that there's an answer. He even said in an interview, you know, I, I didn't write this song to try to change the times. I thought this song would be more of a montage of the times yep. if you yep. look back. And that's why it feels very 2018 to me, because, you know, the chorus is it's just, he says over and over, I'd love it if we love made it. If we made like, it. Yep. Yeah, so it's like, you know, he all, all he's asking, all all the songs asking for is, you know, hey, let's just let's just make it through these next few years. Let's. I mean, it's not even asking for things to change for the better. Just like you know, at this point, I would just love it if, if we made it. You know, I mean, you yeah. see the. I I'm seeing there was a report recently about how climate change is going to hit irreversible levels in 2030, and I mean, I don't want to get in a you know any in a political <laughs> you know you know whole podcast here, but I just right. think that you know, I think there's a lot that this generation is afraid of and alarmed of. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of writing about millennials. You know, every, every it seems like every week you see a think piece that's like, oh, millennials are killing um, this new industry. You know, yeah. millennials are killing Mill- Buffalo Wild Wings. Millenn- millennials can't buy houses because they're yeah. buying too much avocado toast. Blame the millennials. You know, exactly. And, that's, <laughs> and I feel like what this, this song and this album kind of, yeah. It's it's more of like empathy for a generation and trying to understand. I mean, because he's twenty nine, he's not like, you know, forty year old guy, right. fifty year old guy, kind of lambasting the younger generation. He's he's part of it, but I think what's something he he captures here, and I know I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but I, to, to me, that's what makes this song uh, really interesting. And another thing about the song, um, he there's a part on the on the song where he directly quotes Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. in the context of of hear, hearing the quote, and it, so it's um, you know you remember the uh, Access Hollywood tape that Billy Bush, unfortunately, um, yes, interviewed him. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, so I mean it was, it was terrible. And yeah. and there's a line in the song where Maddie Healy screams out, "I moved on her like a bitch," and I'm like, you know, you hear that <laughs> out of context, you're like, wow, that's just like a terrible thing to say. Yeah, ugly. No. It's hateful and it's like 
this is a direct quote of the sitting U.S. president. Right. So it's like this weird disconnect where, like, it's the, you know, Thanksgiving, by the time people are listening to this, they'll probably be, you know, ha- have, have, having their Thanksgiving dinners with their family. And yeah. I know there's lots of people who probably have disagreements with their family and, you know, liberals and conservatives and they're fighting about this. But just to, yeah. like, you know, listen to this song, just to hear that quote in a different context, it's like, wow, like, that guy is really president. <laughs> so, that's, what um, that's what we got. But yeah, so I think that's what that's what one of the things I like about that song. Um, kind of getting back to the album as a whole, you know, there's some really interesting stuff. Uh, there's this song called I Love America and America Loves Me, and it's based on this, like, 1974 conceptual art piece. But the song itself is just, like, this is the one I, I said reminded me of that last Bon Iver album because it's, it's got, like, this, like, weird trap beat. And he's got this like auto tune lyrics, and it's just this very like chaotic sound, and yeah. it's different from anything on the album. I mean, I mean, you know, he were they did a song with Travis Scott, I think, like in 2013. Yeah, it was, it was awful. I, I didn't like it. I don't yeah, like Travis Scott. I don't like <laughs> Travis Scott though. So, but, like, I just you know, I think like this this song kind of you know it kind of play like I, I the beat you know I could have seen it being on Astro World. Um, that's, yeah, potentially that's true. Yeah, and then um. Yeah, the, the other song I liked a lot, and I think you might have touched on this, um, this kind of the big rock, the big rock, alt-rock sound, um, is The Closer. It's called I Always Want to Die, and in parentheses, Sometimes. Yep. And it's this just really kind of heartbreaking song about depression, having suicidal thoughts. Yep. It's ultimately hopeful, it's ultimately optimistic, and there's, there's this part in the chorus where, you know, the music's rising, you've got this just kind of, sweeping chorus. I mean, it sounds like something, you know, they would close a Leeds festival with or play, yeah. Yeah. you know, at the closing night of Coachella or something. And yep. it's, it's just this really great song. You know, when I first heard it um, on the album, I think I ran it back like five or six times. I did too. I like, wow. You I, know, did too. I did too. I did too. Like, cause yeah. Cause I, mean, I just, I was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize these guys, these guys were capable of something like this. And yeah. I don't think it necessarily bites Oasis or copies Oasis, but I mean, it reminded me of like something, you know, after I listened to that song, I put on a definitely maybe, and I was like, you know, I could see this on here. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe not quite just cause the Gallagher's are, you know, definitely different kind of, uh, <laughs> lyrically right. from, uh, Maddie Healy, but it, it sounded like something, you know, sonically, I think it sounded something similar. And that's, that's what I liked a lot. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of really good things on this album. Um, there's Sincerity is Scary, mm-hmm. which is this kind of like neo-jazz uh, swing song. And it's got, I think, um, I could be wrong on this, but Roy Hargrove, he was a jazz musician who uh, sadly passed away recently, but he um, he plays on it, and it's one of his last songs that they recorded together. And it's um, it was very good. It kind of... That that's a song where I think Healy does this thing that I like, where he it's very self-critical and self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he. There's a line on there where he's like, you know, I'm sure you're not just another girl, and then he by, and then he like repeats that by saying, I'm sure you're going to say that I was sexist right there. <laughs> and it's just like you know, he he's always like criticizing himself. himself. He's always <laughs> second guessing himself, and I think. You know, one of the things he's he's talked a lot about in the interviews for this record is how you know there, there's sometimes a lack of nuance and a lack of 
empathy and just trying to like find context when when people are having discussions online about different different topics and mm-hmm. you know one quote that struck out to me and hopefully you know this is kind of a quote from him I'm not trying to stir up any any controversy but um when that rapper I don't know how to say his name extentation or yeah we're posting about you know you know RIP they they felt sad and then on on the other side of that you know because when he was alive, he, you know, he had done some pretty, pretty horrible things to his girlfriend at the time. Um, just kind of shocking reports of abuse. Um, yeah. I won't go into the details, but Healy had kind of said in this interview, like he saw people who were, who were going after um, the people who were publicly grieving him, saying like, "Oh, you're saying since you say R.I.P. extension, you support abuse," and. Healy was basically saying, you know, these people know that's not true. There, you know, there's there's a lot of people who have an emotional connection to his music and had an emotional response. Mm-hmm. And you know, whereas personally, I, you know, I I don't I never cared for him. I'm, I think it's sad what happened to him. Um, but I, I kind of get that. I kind of get what Healy was saying. Like, you know, a lot of people. It's it's hard to you can't criticize so you, you know, it's hard to criticize them just for having like you know yeah may, you know maybe in the moment they said R.I.P. that doesn't necessarily mean they support abuse and I, I I see that and I think that basically you know he was talking about how it's hard for people to have this kind of nuance this kind of back and forth conversation and I think that's that's something he tries to capture here there's. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one song, not to not to jump ahead too much. I kind of put this in the bad category because I don't think it quite works. But there's a song on this album called "Inside Your Mind," mm-hmm. where it's basically about being so um, you know obsessed and consumed with your your lover, your partner. Pardon, yeah. That Healy kind of sings about you know just wanting to know what's going on um, inside inside their mind. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, there's even a part where he kind of has this like violent fantasy, like, you know, if I were to crack it open to see what's inside and it's pretty dark. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's, a, I think it doesn't quite work just because I think this whole trope of, you know, fantasies of violence, especially mm-hmm. against women has been something that's been kind of, kind of played out in music. I think, you know, that being said, there, there's still like some Wilco songs I listen to that when I, you know, still have some cringy lyrics on there. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of falls in that category. You know, I, I think it's interesting that he's willing to to go there, willing to kind of start a conversation. Um, I think in one of those interviews, I think it was with The Guardian, he basically said that like, you know, he was fascinated by that Kanye West song, I Thought About Killing You. He was basically saying like, I don't think Kanye's would ever kill Kim, but at the same time, he's like, you know, it's just an interesting mindset, and then he kind of backs that, walks that back, saying, "Well, you know, mm-hmm. Matt Healy has never been oppressed, so why, how would he know what it's like to mm-hmm. to be on the receiving end of something like that?" So I think, yeah, I'm- you know, he's willing to fail in a way. He's willing to be wrong. And I think that that is more interesting than when a band just makes kind of like the same song they've written five times before. I mean, I like Mac DeMarco as much as the next person, but I mm. feel like a lot of times he just writes the same album over and over, especially <laughs> as he's progressed. Whereas I feel like, yes. you know, here when, when they're, when they fail, it's kind of more for taking a big swing mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just playing it there. 
Yeah. But I guess, you know, what were some moments that, that maybe didn't work for you? Yeah, Inside Your Mind was one that I, I had to listen to a few times, you know, just to try to understand exactly what the goal in mind was, you know, what their point they were trying to get across. And it took me a few times listening to it, and it just didn't work for me either. Um, I, I just didn't care for it. It took me a while to get uh, Love It If We Made It as well. That, that was one. I don't know. It was the lyrics were strong in that. I will say the lyrics were great in that song. I just really the music in it. I, I just wasn't a big fan of the man who married a robot. Um, that one oh, yeah. was just. That's rough. Yeah, I, I didn't like that one either, man. It's just and I don't even I can't even honestly tell you why. It just another dark one. It kind of sounded like a generic like Radiohead or something. I think you even put that in your review, too. And I kind of agreed. It was just like. Yeah, Man Who Married a Robot, I think I put that in the bad category. I mean, the music behind it is, is good. I, I would, you know, I wouldn't necessarily skip it if I'm playing the album all the way through. But right. it, it very much, like you said, it's got that radio head. It's very much Fitter Happier. And so mm -hmm. it sounds so much like Fitter Happier. I mean, I I used to have, you know, when I was a college freshman, I got a poster with the fitter happier lyrics that i hung on my dorm room wall and i thought i was deep <laughs> and so <laughs> i feel like that's kind of what this song is like it's that kind of like so deep like oh you know it, it basically tells a story about it, this kind of like a man who's his whole life online he's incredibly lonely he tries to find connections to different people he never really gets there mm. And it's it's uh, read in like I guess apparently it's read in the Siri app. Like he typed it into the Siri app and had Siri's voice read it. I guess it's a British Siri. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite work. Um, I was thinking this morning. You know, I don't know um, if you're a fan of Frank Ocean's Blonde. Yes. Uh, 2016. Yes. So I saw it on their Facebook story mm -hmm. where he has uh, I think. Uh, the French artist Sebastian yep. read this kind of story about how when Facebook was new, his uh, girlfriend wanted him to add him on it, and he wouldn't because he was like, why do I need to add you on Facebook? You're right here in front of me. <laughs> and the girlfriend left him, and he was like, I understand. You know, the first time I heard that song, I was like, oh, this is a little pretentious. But the, mo the more I thought about it, you know, maybe just reading all those reports of, like, all the bad stuff Facebook's done lately, but just... Right. You know, looking back on it, I'm like, you know, he really had a point here. And that could be the case with this song, The Man Who Married a Robot. Maybe three years from now, I'm going to go back and be like, oh, they had a point here. But I think I think it veers a little bit more towards that kind of just trying to be a Radiohead song. And I, I don't I don't think it quite works. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Another and song that I've, I've been iffy on, there's sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. Um, it's kind of towards the end of the record. It's called Mine. Yeah, the jazz this, one. The jazz one. And, you know, I was reading a, you know, to me, it kind of gets into that, like, Michael Buble kitschiness. Mm -hmm. But when I, some, but, but, you know, then I'll, then I'll listen to the album a couple more times and think, maybe this is actually just a pretty song and I'm being a jerk. But <laughs> I, I think it is. An interesting song. It's it's all about kind of a fear of commitment, um, about settling down. He he explained it as like, you know, we're a gen we're a generation who gets married older, has kids older, it takes longer to to kind of reach that stage in our lives than maybe our parents or our grandparents did. And he he's trying to kind of articulate that into a song. And I think it 
kind of works. It's a good background ballad. Um, I personally like a little better the song that directly follows it, uh, I Couldn't Be More In Love, mm-hmm. which has this kind of like, I've seen it compared to Belinda Carlisle or Whitney Houston or Michael Bolton, and it wow. definitely has this kind of like 80s, 90s power ballad. It's even got this like dramatic key change towards the end. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard it, I was like, what is going on here? This sounds <laughs> so like kitschy. And, but the more I listen to it, it, it is kind of this like go for broke big ballad i mean maybe even some like mariah carey in there and i kind of like that did did you like that one yeah i actually did um and you i'm glad you mentioned that um it had that like 80s sound in it because that's one of my favorite musical decades i know that's the one that uh, that's a that's a decade a lot of people don't like um i will say but that's one i really enjoy so i think i say in the review that uh it's Mine is in my bad, but then it's upstaged by the the one by I right. couldn't be more in love. I right. kind of use I couldn't be more in love as like a, a counterpoint. To yeah, why and and, like and maybe but, but, you know, and I, that's when sequencing. I would definitely put it in the good category. Yeah, and that's and that's when sequencing you know becomes you know maybe if they were just sequenced a little different along the album, maybe maybe we, we would like mine a little bit more. I did not like mine either. I, I do like jazz, but that one was just not the same kind of jazz that I would usually listen to just just didn't really just didn't really like it. Um but overall I think we both agree that the album is A or B. I actually have it as a B. Um you have it as sure. an A minus. So we both agree pretty much that the album is really good. Um overall it's a great great one uh you know if you want to get in touch with your inner feelings there's a lot of that on here. Um and there's a little bit of everything honestly. Um so what for you in your review I know you had the verdict. So what would be the overall verdict to gather from listening to this awesome album here? To me my verdict is just kind of I think the record you know it's it's a pop record, it's a rock record. I I think there's so much going on, there's so much variety that it really expands the definition of what you would think like a great rock album or a great pop album is going to sound like in 2018. You know, kind of going back to my original, to what I was saying earlier, I think it just, it's a, a lot of it sounds so different from what's on the radio. And I think, you know, what I, I like about it, that it's, it's songs that are trying to say something about a generation of people who I think are largely misunderstood by the media or misrepresented might be the better word. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of addresses that without, you know, playing into these familiar tropes and traps we see. I think that they're the failures that they have on this record, the songs we didn't like that we talked about, I think they show a willingness to, to push beyond to try something that's radically different for them to where, even the ones I don't like, I think are just kind of they're just interesting. They're they're more interesting than a lot of you know records I've heard that I've maybe given a B or a C this past year. Yeah, um, I, I will because, say, you know, I, well, quickly, I will say, I did not skip any. I did not skip any songs. Yeah, they released five singles from the album before it came out, and mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I, I, I it's kind of like a, I guess a word of caution is that I think there are songs on the album that haven't been singles. They are just as good or better than the singles. So I, I, you know, but at the same time, it's like, it's hard when you first listen to an album, when you've already heard like the five big singles, it's like, oh, there's automatically going to be a bit of a potential letdown. But I I didn't really have that here. And I think when I look back, you know, maybe a year or two from now, when I look back at this album, 
I'm going to listen to the whole album. I'm not going to remember, oh, yeah, these five songs came out a month before the album did. I'm just going to go back and listen. And all those five songs are great. And so I would say that, you know, if you were to take the eight or nine best songs in this record, I think it would stack up against pretty much anything released this year, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of maybe that Casey Musgraves album that I, I just love. But I think, you know, and I think that's a sign of a great album for me. I think being able to just have so many songs that, that stand out, that are memorable, that I would like to, you know, go see in a live setting. Um, a couple of years ago, I did this kind of jokey, fun article for Consequence of Sound about, you know, oh, if you're a touring band, how many songs from your new album should you play? Because everyone's there to hear the old stuff. But, you know, if I'm going to a 1975 concert next year, I want to hear this whole, this whole album. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of insight on here, um, especially in, a, in an era where a lot of songs are just going for, like, this kind of Instagram caption-worthy quote. Yeah. I think, you know, what, what's cool about this, about the 1975, is they don't, this is kind of how I finished my review, too, but, you know, they don't presume to have all the answers, but they're they're willing to approach you know, the kind of quote-unquote issues of our time with the sincerity and vulnerability that, you know, it, it's not, I, I mean, it, it is an emotional record, but I think it's more than just like, uh, you know, kind of sad, yeah. you, know, you know, like a sad Drake song, like, yeah. you know, my someone left me and I, you know, I'm feeling upset <laughs> about it, or a breakup record. I think it's, right. I think it's, it's a bit more than that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's their most, you know, I'd say it's I'd say it's their best album. I think they've grown a lot and they've kind of come into their own as one of the the bigger rock bands. I mean, I'd say they're one of the few. I'd say they're one of the few rock bands who started in this decade who could reasonably headline festivals. Maybe not a Coachella type yet, but I mean, I think they're already headlining Reading and Leeds next year and mm-hmm. playing Lollapalooza South America. So I think that you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them you know, on the top two lines of some big festivals next year. And I think they're one of the last rock bands who, who, you know, who can actually pull that off and headline a festival in today's changing landscape and, and make it great. And uh, yeah, I think I um, really, really enjoyed this album and uh, I'm excited to see what people think and, yeah. uh, you know, debate and uh, talk about it more. Yeah, absolutely. I I did really enjoy it. Like I said, I gave it a B. Personally, I did like the 2016 release a little bit more. Um, the I like it when uh-huh. you sleep. I I do like that album just a little bit more. But this one, I mean, you got to remember the 2016 album pretty much is what put them into stardom. That that's pretty much what got them to the point of you know headlining festivals, at least in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I Great personally album. I personally think that one's a little bit better, but this one stacks up against it absolutely. And for the rest of the albums in 2018. All right, man. Before before we get out of here and let everyone get a chance to check it out and you know get everyone out eating their turkeys and having Thanksgiving dinner with everyone. Um, before I even get to what you have coming up, I have to comment on your Twitter, Av. Um, I, I love Dougie. All right, I love Dougie as your Twitter, Avi. You gotta, um, we, we gotta get a little Twin Peaks in here, man. What you, uh, what, first of all, what's your favorite season? First of all, I, mean, I really like the return. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna level with you here. Um, I, I watched the original series for the first time last summer when the return came out. I pretty much, you know, I saw everyone getting excited for the new <laughs> series, so I went ahead and I, I binged the, the original series. I got Fire Walk with me. I've got some of the books. I got really into it. And I pretty much spent probably like six months last year just watching Twin Peaks. 
That's that's funny because I did the same thing. I literally just <laughs> I was hanging with one of my buddies. He's a little older. He's like 40. And uh, we're, you know, scrolling on Netflix like, man, what should we watch? And he's like, you ever seen, seen this Twin Peaks? I'm like, nah, what is what is that? He's like, it's just it's a show from, you know, uh, you know, a couple decades ago. And I'm like, well, no, I haven't seen that. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a millennial. All right. I don't I don't I don't watch that. <laughs> so he made me watch it. And yeah, I got hooked. Uh, made me watch all of them. Obviously, you got to watch season one, then the movie Firewalk with me, and then you got to go watch the next season, and then you watch the return. I uh, the return to me was my personal favorite. The season one just kind of took a while, in my opinion. It, it took yeah. a little bit to get into it, uh, but I love Dougie, so I got to go with the return. I, I got to agree. I I I really like that movie Firewalk with me. I think watching the return, it really kind of. I saw it in a different light because I, I know I've always read how people hated it when it came out because it didn't answer anything. But once you kind of get that third season and you go back to it, you're like, okay, I really see what, what he was going for here. Yeah, I've watched. Um, I guess real quick, I wanted to speak on the Twitter feed. I saw that um, you, the other week you were at the Colts game, right? Are you a Colts fan? No, I, I live in Indiana, so that's all we got. Um, so <laughs> I, I went to the game with my boss. I was hanging out with my boss and went to the Colts oh, game. Nice. I was gonna say I'm a big Texans fan from Houston. Oh, been, been watching the Colts. Uh, they've been they're kind of scaring me right now. I'm, I'm a little worried. <laughs> we got a divisional rivalry now here on this uh, yeah, that, on yeah. this podcast. Well, good luck. All right, we the, Col- <laughs> the Colts and the Texans will be matching up here soon. So watch. You better yeah, better better hang yeah. on to that division lead here because uh, Colts are coming. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Andrew Luck looks good. <laughs> but hey, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no problem. Hey, before before I let you go, what what else do you have coming up here for Consequence of Sound? Any any uh, reviews or anything else coming up? Um, th- this is it for for now. Just kind of you know seeing what, what's coming down the pipeline. I think it's a things are slowing down a bit. Um, I mostly do reviews on the site, probably one or two one or two a month. But okay. um, I think with kind of the year end season, um, yeah. And so things are kind of winding down, but I'm looking forward to 2019. There's already seems like quite a few albums that, are, that I'm interested in and uh, in listening to and, and uh, thinking about. So, you know, just kind of uh, going out in the year, with, ending 2018 with a, with a bang here. What's the spread going to look like for Thanksgiving? Uh, um, so my my family is actually um, uh, from uh, from Palestine, uh, from Ramallah, and so we mm. kind of do a mix of fusion. We'll have some, we'll have turkey, cornbread stuffing, but then we'll also have some Arabic food, some, mm. some hummus, some hushra, some rolled grape leaves. So it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good time. How about how about yourself? Um, I'm I'm boring, man. I literally just I, I throw the turkey in. You know, I make some baked macaroni, some mashed potatoes. Got a little uh, sweet potato pie. I'll mix it up, man. I'm not the greatest cook, but I on Thanksgiving I have to be good. So, and um, nothing wrong with that. That all sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting hungry here as we're speaking. But yeah, thanks so much for <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. Really loving this new album and loving your review up as well. The the 1975 a brief entry into online relationships. You gave it an A minus, and your essential tracks, notable songs that you chose. I forgot to bring that up. What were your essential tracks? I think I went with uh, pretty much the. Kind of three songs I talked about most uh, today, but yeah, I love it if we made it. Um, it's not living if it's not with you, and I always want to die sometimes. But I think you know, there's ton of other great songs on there. Give yourself a try. Uh, Sincerity is scary. Uh, 
Be My Mistake, mm-hmm. I Love America and America Loves Me. I think there's there's a lot of good stuff on here. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for uh, people, people to check it out. Yeah, Give Yourself a Try was my personal favorite. That's my number one um, and Be My Mistake right there. But Give Yourself a Try, for me, was just catchy, man. It just got up and danced a little bit, you know, got got me off, off the couch. I really, it's I really, good. it's a good lead off too. Really I think it's is. a good way to kick, to kick, to kick off the album. And it was the first single too. And I think uh, we were onto something there. Yeah, I loved it. Hey, thanks so much, David Shackler, for joining us here on the Consequences Sound Podcast Network Album of the Week, talking the 1975, A Brief Entry into Online Relationships. David, have a great weekend. We'll be looking out for your work, man. Great stuff. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. So that'll just about do it for this week's Album of the Week. Most topical release this week, the 1975's new album, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships. Thank you so much to David Shackler for joining me to help review the album. Go really deep into detail about some of the lyrics and behind the scenes of this new album, what they meant, their message. Great time. David did a great job on breaking down this album, and he gave it an A-, and again, I gave it a B. We agreed on a lot of things, obviously, as you just heard. We even got a little bit of Twin Peaks in. I had a lot of fun with David. You guys be sure to have a great thanksgiving but before that again be sure to subscribe rate and review keep up to date with this podcast let us know what you guys are thinking and check out our other podcasts as well at consequencesound.net let us know and check out all of our other great podcasts again this has been the album of the week series presented by the consequences sound podcast network and i've been your host dedrick Hendricks. consequence podcast network